Let's see what the stew has in store for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes and folks about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the cunning Carla Everson, the chipper Chuck, and the sensational Sam G. Today, we have myself, Ange, along with the amazing Bridget Jeffries, and we are going to talk with her about what it means to be a community manager for an RPG company. So we're going to dive right into this episode. Now, as a clarification, I have known Bridget for a few years now. Hey! Yeah. When we met, I thought, hey, this is a really cool person and we should be friends. <laughs> and as we friended each other on social media, we discovered we already had like 50 mutual friends. So we'd been orbiting each other in the community for a while. Yep. So Bridget, welcome to the Gnomecast. Thank you so much for having me, babe. I appreciate the invite and I appreciate you guys hosting. I love some gnome stew. Yeah, you've been a, you've written some guest articles for us too. I have, I have, because I love some gnome stew. You guys are incredible <laughs> people over there. I love the energy. I love the vibe. I love the support. I love you. So yeah, it's, it's really easy to work beside you, baby. We love you too. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Oh, yes. Hi, I'm the loud, bouncy one um, that, if you can believe it, is super exhausted right now. But it's okay. Y'all stick with me. I'm pushing through. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Bridget Jeffries. I am, hold on, I can think of my job title. I know what it is. A community <laughs> coordinator <laughs> with Chaosium Incorporated. And it sounds like, based on the topic, we're going to get more into detail with that. But that is the day job. And then by night, by morning, by twilight, by whenever I can squeeze a few minutes in. I also publish games and I podcast and I stream and I talk about gaming and I run around gaming and I do a lot of things in gaming. We should briefly talk about that because I didn't actually include that as part of this topic, but you are part of an award-winning uh, actual play podcast, aren't you? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, one of the shows that, God bless them, they were sweet enough to bring me on board and actually provide the very equipment that I am recording on right now is Ain't. <laughs> slayed nobody and last year we won the gold any for best actual play podcast so yeah you can catch me over there playing call of cthulhu cthulhu dark oh god jesus i'm blanking but when i tell you i'm on like nine different shows over there <laughs> there's the mainstream content but i'm also on like cosmic dark and cthulhu dark and call of cthulhu and a whole bunch of really amazing things with the uh the crew over at ain't slayed nobody and cuppy cup so why don't you tell us what your gamer origin story is? Because like we are all here because of this hobby that we all love and enjoy. So how did you get started? So, babe, I'm going to do the rapid fire version of this. So this <laughs> is super condensed and let's go. Let's wind the clock back to me being a sophomore in high school. I was talking during my AP calculus class. My teacher told me to be quiet. I was like, nah. So I kept talking. Well, he put me in detention. I <laughs> definitely got my attention. <laughs> So I'm sitting in detention with Mr. Fox with a full-blown attitude. At this point, and it's just like attitude plus three because I'm like, why did I get put in detention? I'm shocked. I've just, this is a shocked face. That doesn't look like a shocked face. <laughs> so I'm sitting in detention with my AP calculus teacher and there's a whiteboard in front of me. And babe, he's drawing like a hill and a castle and stuff. And my curiosity finally trumped my pure irritation levels. So I was like, what is this? What are you doing? He's like, oh, this is for a game. We have game nights and da 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 da. No, now, Ange, I am a black teenager in urban Akron, Ohio. I had never heard of a game, a role-playing game, a story. This is all nothing. I had never been exposed to it before. So I'm like, I don't know what a game is. What are you talking about? 
So she's like, at this point, they were playing, um, ooh, baby, what was uh, the D&D version with Thacko? Was that Advanced Dungeons and Dragons? Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, either first edition or second edition, I think. I think it was the same one where whatever race you were was also your class. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was high school. That might have been basic. Maybe. Listen, you know my struggle. And I already said I was tired. Just love me. I, I do a D&D podcast, but my old school lore is a little rusty. That's fair. And there's a lot of lore to back into, babe. Yeah. Yeah, there is. So anyways, he tells me a story about where he and his friends basically get together once a week on Friday nights. And, you know, they're in this shared storytelling game and there's this uh, castle and a dragon and a princess. And those are all things that are super relatable. Like, you know, medieval fantasy I could relate to. I understood what that was even outside of like a gaming context. And he was like, yeah, that's what we're doing. And I sat through the rest of my detention. Well, the following Monday, I was thinking about the princess and the dragon and the castle. And I walked <laughs> up to him and was like, hey, Mr. Fox, yo, yo, what happened, you know, with the princess and the dragon? Now, Ange, you know, in every story, what happens with the princess and the dragon and the tower and the knight? Usually the knight kills the dragon and rescues the princess. Yes, right? It's pretty straightforward. No, so apparently they, they pissed off the dragon. The princess died. <laughs> Her father put a warrant out on the adventures that failed. It was not the handsome knight slays the dragon and the princess is saved. So I was like, wait. So he starts telling me this deeper lore and this deeper backstory. And it got to the point where every single Monday I would go to his class and be like, okay, what happened at game? What happened at game? What happened at game? <laughs> and finally he was like, do you want to just come and, and play with us? Now, Angie, baby, let's have a quick conversation. I am a, what, a 16, 15-year-old Black high school student. My white, middle-aged male instructor is inviting me to his friend's house <laughs> with his other 40-year-old white male buddies in a basement at like 1 o'clock in the morning doing maybe a satanic game. I don't know. We're not really sure what D&D is. We're still trying to figure it out. So... <laughs> I said, yes, of course, I wanted to be a part of a game where the princess apparently could die. That turned into him having a conversation with his wife, him having a conversation with my mother, all three of them getting together and having a conversation. If her grades slip, it's done. The school administration can never know about this because <laughs> reasons. My baby needs to be out of your house by this time. I expect her to be home by this time. You know, baby, I didn't have a cell phone back then. That's how I got introduced into gaming. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Now, how long after starting to play did you end up picking up the the dice to become a GM? Oh, I can tell you this. So it was sophomore year is when I started with them. I played with them my junior and senior year. I went to college. I took a year to onboard the college experience. My sophomore year of college, I started looking for other tables. My senior year of college, I started GMing. So what would that have been? Seven years before I started GMing. And was it purely the lack of being able to find another game to play that made you start running? Nah. Just love me through this arrogant behind statement I'm about to make. I sat through so many games and thought to myself, I could do it better. And that's how I started GMT. <laughs> Andrew, you know you've been there before where you're watching somebody run at the games like, man, if I had the reins right now, I could do that 10 times better by doing these 10 things. Oh, yeah. It just it, it took me like 15 years before I was at the point where I'm like, I can do this. And that's because I had friends pushing me yeah. into trying. What was the first game that you GM'd? uh mutants and masterminds mutants and masterminds was the first thing that you gm bravo yep you hit that hard actually i should say i did run a DD game once okay but an actual campaign was mutants and masterminds mutants and masterminds oh god so you jumped in running a campaign listen this is why i love you get out there i don't care if it took 15 years you weren't playing <laughs> <laughs> what about you because i know your love of horror games and i wanted to talk to you about that because 
it is a pretty foundational part of your gaming life. Yes, ma'am. That is very true. Did you start with running horror? No, 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 no. So I onboarded with whatever edition D&D it is that we're talking about. And they also rotated with champions and Battletech. I hated Battletech's champions I could tolerate, but D&D was <laughs> kind of where I felt most comfortable. Yeah. By the time I got to college, I got introduced in a world of darkness, was not mature enough to handle it, so didn't. And also, God bless that culture during that time <laughs> in life. I also couldn't handle that. So I think where I started getting into my niche was like Pathfinder. I think the first edition of Pathfinder was out then. Okay. And that is the first thing that I ran as well because it was my it was my comfort place. It was my warm and fuzzy place. It's what I knew is what everyone around me was playing. I onboarded through D&D like 90% of gamers. Yeah, like, like most of us. <laughs> yeah, I came in with most of us. But I got exposed to horror gaming once again in college. Babe was not mature enough to handle it. I just really wasn't. It is what it is. I'm, I'm not even going to run from it anymore. When I'm used to sitting down at a table and dropping 16 D6 fireball at something, <laughs> and then suddenly you want me to play a game where I have four hit points, and you're telling me that if I look at that mirror wrong, I could die? I don't want to play that. I'm not here for that. Go away. Uh, no. No, I'm going to go back to my fireballs. At some point, my palate changed, and it hasn't changed off of horror since. I finally was at a, a place of maturity where I could tackle horror and find the things that I enjoyed about it, and I haven't navigated from it since. To your point, Horror gaming is the pretty much the foundation of everything that I'm doing right now. Which I guess brings us to tell us about your journey to becoming Chaosium's community coordinator. I'm so glad you remembered that title because I was going to struggle with it again. I mean, my notes have community <laughs> manager, but let's get it right. Community coordinator. Community coordinator. Correct. Actually, this random sidebar. Do you know this story? And have we talked about this? I don't think I know this. I know that. In the early days of the pandemic, you started Symphony. Yes, ma'am. Eventually started writing adventures. And like the next thing I knew, you were community coordinator. Yep. Okay. So this is actually a really cool story that you're asking about because Gnome Stew was 50% of how I got into this job. Ooh. I know. You're I just, welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what had happened was, yes, you're correct. During the stay orders, I um, migrated online like a lot of people did for Discord, Zoom, gaming, things of that nature. Symphony, which is my horror tabletop role-playing um, company, you know, we're running horror games, talking about horror games, blah, 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 blah. So I'm doing that basically to try to stay sane through the entire foolery that was 2020, 2021. Yeah. Now, a couple of things happened, and I will rapid fire them just so you know. At this point, I wasn't writing professionally. I got invited to write a scenario for Bait Alazif owned by Jaren Smith. This is a Cthulhu Mythos magazine. So I wrote my very first scenario for the hymn. He taught me how to do it. He taught me how to do everything from start to scratch, from like concept all the way to conclusion. And I was like, oh, I really like this. I want to do it again. So then I published again on, and we'll probably talk about this later, but on Chaosium's community content platform for Call of Cthulhu creators, which is called the Miskatonic Repository. Mm -hmm. This is a place hosted on DriveThruRPG where you can literally self-publish, absent paying any type of fees, no licensing issues. You can literally create your own Call of Cthulhu content and you can monetize it on this platform. I created that and it was great. Now, here's the weird caveat or the weird FYI I'm going to tell you, dear listener. Be real careful and be real aware of what you say and do on the internet because more people are watching you than you are aware of. Hard stop. You are being talked about very likely on whatever way your pendulum swings in somebody's office, in somebody's corner, in somebody's life. If you're going to be spoken about, please don't be that person. But be aware, <laughs> people on the internet see what you do and whether they ever tell you they are watching you. This is where this all comes together, at least for me in this particular situation. I have my first scenario out on the Miskatonic Repository, Sorrow and Sabo. I get approached by this gorgeous, 
super supportive, amazing storytelling woman that I have been orbiting around in gaming circles for years, but wasn't aware that we had like 5,000 friends in common on Facebook. <laughs> Everyone knows each other. We know each other. Name Angela Murray. And Angela comes to me and says, hey, babe, I work for Gnome Stew. I was like, oh, I love Gnome Stew. And she's like, well, yeah, Gnome Stew is awesome. And we were like, yay. And she's like, would you like to write for us? So I went yeah. to write for Gnome Stew. And then I was just like, the hell am I supposed to write about? <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to write about. I ain't been in the industry professionally this long. Do I have any value to add to Gnome Stew at all? Like, I put my cart before the horse on that one. Finally, I thought, I was like, what is something that I could write about? What is something I could do to write about? What is something I can do to add value? Oh, oh, I just published my first Call of Cthulhu scenario on the Miskatonic Repository. I could write an FYI article on how you can do exactly what I did so you can be self-published too. Bam. <laughs> so I wrote the article. I mean, I wouldn't have reached out to you if I didn't think you had stuff to contribute to this community. I appreciate that, baby. Hard stop. One, I love you. <laughs> Two, I appreciate that. Three, it's very easy, and a lot of us know this, for other people to see your potential and value when you don't see it in yourself. Oh, yeah. Very much so. So, literally for that, thank you. I love your <laughs> face. Aw. So, I write this dang on article. I look at it. I was like, all right, I got an article on how to self-publish on the Miskatonic Repository. And I was like, before I send this back to Ange, let me send it to somebody at Chaosium, one of their other community ambassadors, just to make sure I didn't like botch anything. Because I'm talking about somebody else's IP. I'm talking about somebody else's company. Mm -hmm. you know, I, and I've only done it once. So the community ambassador over there, uh, Alan Carey, he read through it. He made some suggestions. He corrected a couple of things that I didn't even know I had wrong. It was great. I send it to Ange. They publish it. It's amazing. Give it about a month. Gnome Stew pushes this out across their platforms. I cross-promote it across my platforms. Give it about a month. I get an email from the vice president of Chaosium, who I don't know, <laughs> never met. And I'm just like, ooh. And he's like, hey, saw that you had a, a scenario on the repository. Yeah, 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 yeah. Saw this article that you wrote about Gnome Stew, about uh, uh, how to help other people were published, or, you know, published on the repository. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, can you hop on a Zoom call? I want to talk to you about that. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Like, am I about, am I have to get sued? Did I do something wrong? I had somebody else check it, but oh, God. Anyways, I hop onto the Zoom call, and he was like, hey, you've got content here. You've done a really good job with this article over on Noom Stew to help inspire and help other people. And I had another thing that got published in the meantime. That might have been problematic, and I might have got an email from like four people saying your content is problematic, and I might have had to correct it, but I took it on my chin really well. I really did, because they were right. It is what it is. I was wrong. Go. He's like, so you're already published. You take criticism well. <laughs> <laughs> you did great on this Gnome Stew article. Would you like to come on board as a community ambassador and help other people do what you've done? I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. I did that for three years, and then they finally brought me on full time in a larger capacity. Friday, January 13th, 2023. That is awesome. Yeah. I honestly did not know the part that Gnome Stew played in that journey. Massively. 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 Yeah. The Chaosium got a hold of the article. That's awesome. Yeah. So what does being a community coordinator look like? What do you do? So in my capacity with Chaosium, and this, your mileage may vary, and this is not one shoe fits all across industries. Gaming is a very fun space uh, professionally. So what I do is... I'll say half of my job is nothing but what I did in that Gnome Stew article. It is supporting creators to get published on our various community content platforms, which host Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, 7th C, and very soon King Arthur's Pendragon. So 
I can help someone who goes, I have this really cool idea that I want to publish, but I've never typed a single word in my life all the way through to being monetized on one of our platforms to I'm a veteran who has been doing this for blah, 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 blah. But I have weird questions about compliance or I need referral to an artist or I need to know if Chaosium is okay with this or can I get a license for this? So babe, half of my job is literally just supporting other uh, creators on our community content program with the community, cultivating the community, hosting events, doing panels, workshops, attending cons, hosting cons, anything that helps that entire space. That's half of me. So it's coordinating the community. Oh, you see how you did that? <laughs> that was good, babe. That was actually really good. You even had like the, the sexy shoulder roll in that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Not that our listeners can see that. I can see your gorgeous self, so I can enjoy it for them. <laughs> How many cons does this get you to a year? Right now, between whether Chaosium is sending me or whether I'm going under a capacity for like my gaming company, Symphony, mm -hmm. I'm typically doing a convention a month, um, maybe a convention every other month. And the big one for Chaosium specifically is Chaosium Con. Oh, look at you. You're two for two. You're killing the game right now. <laughs> Yeah, Chaosium Con is our proprietary con that is hosted uh, right now annually in April in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Ypsilanti, which is, I think, next door inside of Ann Arbor, St. Thoughts and Prayers. Uh, but yeah, it is a celebration of all Chaosium products. So, like, they fly in line editors. There are people from Poland and Spain and Australia. There are live streamers. Like, it's celebrating Call of Cthulhu and, you know, Quest Worlds and Lords of the Middle Sea and... And, and RuneQuest, and there's LARPs, and there's parties, and there's speakeasies, and it's just, it's one big massive celebration of Chaosium's IP and our licensee uh, team, which, babe, <laughs> we love conventions. We get it. We all enjoy conventions. There's such a myriad of things to explore and engage with at conventions. Are you into miniatures? Are you into board games? Are you into tabletop? What type of tabletops? Are you only here for the adventure leagues? Are you blah, 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 blah. There is just something really succulent about a convention where the niche is all collected under one IP. It makes everything so accessible. You know that everyone <laughs> there loves the same thing that you love. Correct. Because, yes, when we go to conventions, we're all there because we love Umbrella Spirit Fingers Gaming. It's a lot different when you walk into a room and all 300 people there with you love Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> it's such a great con. And listen, and I work for Chaosium. I've been working for them. But let me tell you, I still fangirl over like Mike Mason <laughs> and Lynn Hardy. And like if I walk down the hallway, Jeff waves at me. I was like, ah! Chef of RuneQuest just waved at me. <laughs> but it's a great con. It's a great opportunity because, like, how often do you get to sit in a room with that elevated magnitude of creativity and humility and just be like, I bought Mike Mason a beer because he was sitting next to me and we started chatting up this little idea he had and now he's willing to blah, 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 blah. And now I'm here. <laughs> it's just dope. <laughs> well, and I think one of the things about the RPG industry in general is, like, we see these names of creators that are making things that we love and enjoy, but they are also members of this hobby that love and enjoy the hobby. So like, there's not this vast gulf between us, between the players and the creators. Oh, that is beautifully said, babe. <laughs> yeah. They're accessible. Yeah. And they love what you love. Yeah. And like, you can get overwhelmed as, as a, like a, a player and be like, you know, like I've been at Origins before and wandered through the big bar on two and there's a big name designer yeah. and there's a big name designer and yeah. there's a big name designer and you can start feeling overwhelmed, but they are gamers just like us. They're gamers just like us. Oh, that's so beautifully said because 
that's a privilege to be able to experience in our industry because that's not the same across all industries. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. So thinking about, you know, just in general terms, this industry. Yeah. What do you think the role in general of a community organizer, coordinator, manager is? Is this going to become an even more common thing we see with gaming companies? Now, babe, don't get me to lying on you because I haven't done comparison to any of our comps or, you know, to see if this mm -hmm. is a common role. But I will at least say this much from my perspective, from the few that I've seen, I think it's imperative for companies because let's hard stop. We we all love gaming and it's fun and it's a passion for all of us. Right. Creators, players, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, guys, it's a business. Mm -hmm. It's a business. It's a company. It's a business. I think it's important for businesses, companies in gaming to constantly have someone that has a temperature check on what's going on in the trenches. Yeah. There's no way that you can actually put a value on someone that is directly engaging with your player base on a day-to-day -day basis, that knows what they're talking about, that knows the ecosystem, that is able to relay requests and be an ambassador between these two parties to give you warning signs of what's coming down the pipeline. Because as much as we love gaming, if you're stuck in an office doing HR or accounting, or you're trying to figure out how to put out this light, this recent fire, or this last fire, or you're dealing with legal, or you're in a fight with this company, there's all these things that happen at a higher level that the gamers, you know, blessedly don't have to deal with. But it's nice for someone to be knocking on the door. It's like, hey, just to let y'all know, this blah, blah, blah situation might be an issue because I'm seeing it explode on these four Discord servers and these three Facebook groups. Yeah. Maybe that is something we do need to take an account with. I think the other thing that's important for community managers, and I'm going to shout out Danny Lowe, who worked with Gamma for a while in the um, Facebook group going back and forth with attendees and, and, and Gamma during a really ridiculous year at Origins. <laughs> the visibility boost, the ability to make people's fans feel seen, mm -hmm. which is a major, major, major thing. Uh, and then also amplifying their voice so it gets to the places where it needs to be heard. Yeah. Community managers do that. Like Danny was a godsend in that group because you could log in and that same question has been asked 15 different times and no one was responding to. She would be right there. Oh, guys, it's this and this and this and then this. This is how you do this and this. It's like, oh, God, God bless her. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm doing in between helping people get published, uh, which is community cultivation, and then also running one of our organized play fleets is literally just kind of keeping my finger on a button, talking to people, and then relaying this information back and forth. I think all of that is super important, especially like you said, when you have the owners of the company or the designers of the company, maybe not, they don't have time to have their pulse on all of that as closely as somebody whose focus it is. Well said. Exactly so. Yeah. And it, help, it helps your fan base be heard. Mm -hmm. And we all want to be seen and we all want to be heard. And if you're playing the games and you're investing your hard-earned money into the games and you're experiencing the, your opinion about stuff matters. <laughs> it does. And if you have ideas that could make it better and you're volunteering that type of uh, knowledge, like it's, it's good to have someone to be like, you're 100% right. We dropped the ball on that one. Let me run back and get this corrected and run back to you. It helps promote a buy-in at a level where everyone is involved in the product. Yeah. And with companies that have that, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, your Miskatonic repository, where you have an opportunity for players to contribute their own material for other people to use and earn them some money and all this. I really yes. think a role like yours is crucial because you need 
I've looked into some of these and having somebody you can go to and be like, help, what am I doing is invaluable. I agree. And well said. It's invaluable because it's just, it's the connective tissue between the business and the passion. So what is your short blurb advice for somebody that is looking to get into starting to create their own material? Oh, that's looking to create their own material. Okay. Here are the short blurb spaghetti at the wall. One, you're most certainly overthinking it. Stop doing that. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yes. <laughs> you're overthinking. Stop. Stop doing that. You're overthinking. Two, that cool idea that you told your friends or that's on a sticky note or in a flash drive, that's a really cool idea. It should be published. This is going to sound weird, but to publish on any of Chaosium's community content programs, quality is not a factor. And I'm not saying that to be rude. <laughs> I'm simply saying, stop gatekeeping yourself because you don't think the writing is perfect mm -hmm. or the editing is perfect or the story. Just publish it because you know what? At the end of it, you're going to be published. Yeah. You're holding yourself back. Get it off of your flash drive. Let's get it up onto something where it has some visibility. Let's get you practice on that art of finishing because finishing, 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 finishing is everything. All of us that have done stuff creatively in this community know that you don't get better at it unless you're doing it. Oh, honey, say it again one more time for the people in the back. One more time. You don't get better at it unless you're doing it. Unless you're doing it. Not thinking about it, not discussing it, unless you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Another FYI, if you're looking to create, let's say you have a dream of writing professionally for Wizards or for Chaosium or Wedding Games, whoever it is. You know the first thing they're going to ask you, usually before they even ask your name? Show us what you've completed. Yep. And guess what? They don't want to see something that's just, you know, beyond reproach and perfect. They just want to see that you can finish something. They want to see that you know how to cross the finish line because that is a skill set in its own that you can explore and do if you just get up and do it. So if you're looking to write for another company, community content is definitely your gateway because you get to practice and the exposure and the legitimization that you need. And then ask for help. All jokes aside, guys, closed mouths don't get fed. We're not <laughs> scary. Uh, when you have companies like Chaosium that have somebody on staff full time just to sit around and answer your questions, utilize that, please. <laughs> utilize that. When you have communities that gather around and don't do anything but celebrate a certain IP, go ask questions. Gamers love being asked questions. The same way you like when people ask you questions. Yep. Ask. <laughs> <laughs> don't be afraid to ask. We're super excited to tell you a 20-minute story that you don't care about and then give you 30 minutes of valuable information that you need to go get whatever you need to get done. Open your mouth and ask questions. Yeah, I mean, we gamers love to talk. Uh-huh. And I will say, if you run into anybody who's going to try and gatekeep you, yep. just ignore them, move on to somebody else, because they're not worth your time. And they never will be. And also, you don't have to open up to the right person. Just open up to somebody. Prime example, if you happen to wander past Anne, just like, man, you know what? I would really love to write for Call of Cthulhu. She might be like, I can't help you, but I have an article on my platform <laughs> that can, and I can get you the email address of a girl that can't. Open your mouth to somebody. Yep, I know where to send you. Correct. Y'all, we rub shoulders. I hate to say it, but it can be a very ancestral little industry. Folk know each <laughs> other. Open your mouth to somebody and somebody can refer you to refer you to get you to where you need to be. Any last thoughts uh, you'd like to share with our listeners about being a community guru? One, thank you guys for being part of the community that I serve uh, and that I enjoy because you guys are engaging with me right this moment. You're legitimizing my profession right this moment. When this gets published, it's going to get sent to Chaosium and you guys listening helps me. So thank you for supporting Gnome Stew. Thank you for supporting me with your time. I thank you because just thank you. Last parting thoughts. Yeah, I'm going to rapid fire some stuff. If you're looking to get into the industry, you have a bunch of different options. 
And I cannot understand the power of volunteering at booths at Chaosiums or getting in front of or with other fan clubs more. Ange has, uh, this Matinee Adventures, correct? Yes, Matinee Adventures is who I run games for at, at cons. Is a beautiful fleet of people that tell amazing stories and get their own rooms. Hanging out with them gets you access to more windows in time than I can imagine. Prime example, I got introduced into Gnome Stew because of Ange, because of Matinee Adventures, and us mm -hmm. bumping into each other. So if you want to be adjacent where I am, above where I am, beyond what I am, be intentional about getting involved and getting around gamers. Yep. And then also stay with what you love, and it's okay if what you love changes. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay to go from traditional fantasy RPGs to horror. Yes, ma'am. And go back again, or decide you only want to do queer rom-coms. <laughs> The gaming community is so expansive and so broad and so diversified at this point in time. If you can't find your niche for your people or your content, you can go create it and build it yourself. That is so true. Yeah. If queer zombie foxes is what you're into, I guarantee you, you could be an any award winner by the end of 2026, baby. Just go get it published. <laughs> <laughs> you have options, boo-boo. I promise you do. So moving on, this show is funded by the Gnomes 2 Patreon. You two can Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnomes 2 website to the Gnomes 2 Patreon. We love doing this, so our patrons help us keep it going. If you're Ooh, enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Guys, pandas talking games, queer gamers talking about tabletop role-playing games and making outtakes. Join pandas Phil and Cinda every Wednesday answering listener questions about playing, running, and designing TTRPGs. Get cozy, and let's talk about some games. You can find us gnomes at gnomestew.com, gnomestew on Blue Sky, and gnomestew on Facebook. Where can we find you out on the internet, Bridget? Oh, yes. If you are trying to connect with me in any formal capacity as a community coordinator, my email address is bridget at chaosium.com. That is Bridget, a bridge that you walk across with two Ts, at chaosium.com. If you're trying to connect with streaming, podcasting, horror, you can just check my website out at symphonyentertainment.com. And last plug, if you want to hear me talk about horror games, uh, I am a co-host on the two-time Emmy Award-winning podcast, the Miskatonic University Podcast. You can check more about that at uh, mu-podcast.com. So is there anything else you'd like to give a shout out to today? Like, where can people find the adventures and stuff you've written? Yeah, if you want to see me do a uh, hilariously bad spinoff on, uh, oh, what is that name in the movie? The Ghost of the Darkness? <laughs> <laughs> My first Call of Cthulhu scenario on the Miskatonic Repository is Sorrow on Savo. You can check that out at Drive Through RPG. Uh, also, I have a post-apocalyptic game that involves a sentient carnival that can't wait to play with you. And then you can see a lot more of my Call of Cthulhu horror stuff basically on drive Through RPG or on Indie Press Revolution. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Bridget. Thank you! There's no way I would put you in the stew. I want you out there involved in your community. Yes! So, thank you. I appreciate that. And if any time I slip into the stew, just show me grace and patience and pull me out. I'll get the ladle in there and get you out. Yes! The ladle for Bridget! Mwah. <laughs> 